0: that song it reminds us of the truth there is nothing better than god nothing better than christ and we give him praise because he is worthy of it today we are going to be in the 26th chapter of the gospel of matthew I invite you to turn over there with me and in uh, the gospel of matthew here we are in the final days of Jesus' life here on earth and this is a well-known scene in scripture's Where we find Jesus with his disciples in a place called Gethsemane. So we're going to start in verse 36 of Matthew 26, and we're going to go down through verse 46. God's word begins like this Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, Sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he returns to his disciples and said to them, Are you sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come and the Son of Man is to be delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. This is a reading of God's Word. You may be seated. As you're seated, we do have Kingdom Kids today, which is our ministry for kiddos who are four years old through second grade. They can be our Kingdom Kids workers over here. And they'll take them next door to our Christian Life Center, where they'll have a chance to worship and learn at their level on the uh, second floor of the Christian Life Center. And that's where you can pick them up after the service today. I want to give you a little update, a little announcement, kind of an exciting thing that's taken place in the life of our church over the past week. Um, If you're at our business meeting, you already know a little bit about this, but if not, just want to fill you in. Uh, Last summer, our church decided we would try to do an internship to help students in our ministry, uh, upperclassmen in in high school, uh, to search out and try to discover a call to ministry. And if nothing else, give them a chance to serve and learn and grow over the summer as part of our church staff. And so we did that. We had two young men participate in that, uh, Joshua Cruz and Chase Torres. And it was a wonderful, awesome experience for everybody. And so we wanted to repeat that again this year after their senior year of high school. But because they're done with athletics and all their extracurricular stuff, we wanted to see if maybe we could start the internship now rather than wait until summer to give them a little lead way into summer. And of course, that would be a huge blessing for me as well. Give some some of these responsibilities away. And so both Chase and Josh have begun uh, their internship in our Chase leading in our worship ministry and Josh leading in our student ministry. And they have uh, already one weekend doing a tremendous job. And we look forward. They're going to continue to serve in that capacity through the summer. And we'll revisit those positions in August. And so thank you guys for saying yes. Thank you, church, for being so supportive of those who are who are willing to serve. And, uh, you know, when you give, you're a part of that. You're helping our church um, pay for pay those who are doing the Lord's work. And as the word of God says, we don't muzzle the ox in the field. We support those who are doing ministry and you're a big part of that. And so I want to thank you for being faithful to the Lord and your giving because that that does matter. That is important. Most of you are aware that uh, we are walking through a Bible reading plan together. If you don't have a copy of that plan, you can find one on the table over here where the lamp is or on the table when you exit In the foyer, I really want to encourage you to jump in on that plan Even if you haven't been participating, don't worry about it Just jump in, start today, it's dated material So you just find today's date, start reading there It's a reading out of the Old Testament, Psalm and Proverbs Um, It's got some other information in there And if you do want to jump on that plan, you have questions, let me know But every Sunday we are preaching out of a portion of what we read the previous week And early in the week we read this story Of Jesus and his disciples in this Garden of Gethsemane and it's such a powerful little section of scripture. I think it has so much that it can share with us. And, it, and God, I want God to speak to us during this time. So would you just pause with me and let's pray together. <clears throat> Father God, we want to give thanks for your word that you, in your great wisdom, knew that we needed to hear from you in a lot of different ways. And God, you have given us your most definitive and clear words through the scriptures. And so we are grateful that you have given them to us, that we might understand more of who you are and who we are and how you've called us to live. And and it helps us navigate the tricky and difficult parts of life. And it, and it gives us pur- purpose and helps us to know when we failed and what to do when we failed to turn to a gracious God like you. And, and God, on and on we could go. But we just want to pause and give you thank you. Give thanks for your word that you have blessed us with. And ask that as you speak to us through your word, God, that our minds might be attentive to what you have to say. You know how easily we are distracted, how many things are going, running through our mind at any point, at any given day, and the enemy would like nothing less than for us to be totally distracted in this moment. But I pray, God, our minds' attention will be on you. And, Father, our, our affections, our hearts' desires, our emotional life, God, that, that you would touch us That we might feel your presence, that we might respond to your love with a sense of love for you. And as your word tells us that we might not just be hearers of your word, but we would be doers, that that sense of affection and desire to obey you and to love you as you deserve to be loved would actually happen in our lives. That you would prepare our hands and our feet, that we would take your word and what you have to say to us today and put it to play in our lives. This is what we ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. I've heard two kind of competing ideas. And I bet you have two. And I wonder where you might stand on either of these. One is that uh, follow your heart. It's important to follow your heart. Your desires. uh, Your emotions. That you're listening to those things. And you're following those things. Some people say that's. That's kind of the philosophy of life, follow your heart. Others would say, no, 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 your heart is not a good thing to follow. Your emotions are bad. Don't listen to your emotions. Your emotions are a mess. Don't listen to them. You know, just box them out, kind of ignore them. So most of us may fall, and it may depend on the day, we may fall into one of those two categories. And we do know, at least Jeremiah, the prophet Jeremiah does say, well, the heart is deceitful above all things. So is the heart something to be followed or is it something to be ignored? Now, we got to unpack that a little bit because in Hebrew thought, the heart wasn't equated was simply feelings. In Hebrew thought, which is, you know, God's people, they, they're the ones God used to write the Bible, you know. That in their thinking, and their understanding of how God put us together, when they use the word heart, what they're talking about is not just emotion. What they're talking about is the heart is the seat of our feeling. It's the heart of our discernment or our thinking our logic. And it's also, our heart is the seat of our will, our determination, our likelihood to act. And so the heart as a whole is in trouble. Our emotions, our thinking, and our actions are in trouble. When, when we read in the scripture that sin has affected all of life, this is what it means. Not in part, it means more than that, but in part, it means sin has landed on us. When it comes to all of these areas of our life. And what I think we're going to find in the life of Jesus. Is how he is able to bring these things. Into an awareness of God. That might lead him forward. Because the truth is. We know what it's like to be emotional people. To have a sense of emotion and to feel it strongly. And sometimes those emotions grip us. And we find ourselves in our feelings and it's hard to get out of that. We don't know what to do with that. And and it can be scary sometimes because I I don't want to be, I don't want my emotions to be in charge of how I think and the decisions that I make. But sometimes it feels like, you know, there's not much choice in that. I I remember reading one book and talked about this idea and said, you may have all the wonderful intentions and the best logic in the world, but that is like a little bitty 100 pound rider on the top of your emotions which is like an elephant if that elephant wants to go left it's going left it doesn't matter what the rider thinks it doesn't matter what the rider wants that elephant is going left that elephant's going right it's going to stop and take a nap it our emotions sometimes it can feel like they're going to do whatever they want to do and we have no control of that whatsoever jesus i think shows us a better way he shows us a way to bring our emotions Bring our desires, bring our thinking and bring our actions in alignment with the will of God. But I will be honest with you. It is not easy. It is very difficult. It reminds me of what Paul says in Romans, the end of chapter seven. He says, you know, there's things I want to do, but I don't do them. There's things I don't want to do, but I do do them. He says, I'm a wretched man. Top to bottom. I've been touched by sin. What hope is there? And the the answer that Paul gets to is, my hope is Jesus. And I think we find in this passage that our hope is Jesus. Jesus shows us how to bring our emotions, desires, our thinking, our logic, and our actions, our will, all into the alignment of God. Because here's what I know probably about you and me. If we're honest with ourselves and we get a moment of clarity and we calm all the noise. Hopefully, what you want and what I want is to do the will of God. However difficult, however challenging that is. However sometimes unclear that is. I'm, I'm believing that most, if maybe not all of you, and I know for me, that if we're honest with ourselves moment of clarity, moment of just thinking about what is true, we would say, you know what? I really do want to know what God wants and I want to do it. And it can be hard. It can be so difficult. It can be very challenging. But, show, but Jesus shows us a way. The first thing I think that this passage of Scripture shows us is that Jesus felt deep emotion. So we cannot say that emotion is bad. That to have feelings is bad, right? For Jesus, who is perfect, who is 100% God, 100% man, here he is expressing deep emotion. The writer here, Matthew, notes that he was sorrowful and troubled into verse 37. Into verse 38, Jesus says it himself, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. In Luke twenty-two forty-four, we read that he was so troubled that he began to sweat drops of blood. So we cannot say emotions are bad because here Jesus is expressing the deepest of emotions. The question is, what does he do with those emotions? Well, those emotions mixed up with desire brings jesus to the point of prayer he goes to god see emotions are like a a light on a dashboard you're in your car and when i was growing up you know you had the check engine light what did you do with the check engine light you put you know you put tape over it i don't know i don't know if your family did that that's just how we rolled right But all those lights, they're not going to fix nothing, are they? They're not going to do nothing. Those lights aren't good or bad. They're just telling you information. They're letting you know something's up here that you need to pay attention to. And Jesus is aware of his emotions. He is in tune with them. He knows how he feels. He's able to express how he feels both to his friends When he says in verse 38, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. He's able to express his emotion to his friends. And he's able to go to God, his father, and begin to express his emotions to him. He takes those lights on the dashboard, the things that he's feeling, and he begins to act on them. If my little light shows up and it says low tire air pressure, I can either ignore that and put tape over it. Or I can put some air in the tire, right? But I have to take that emotion and do something with it. And it's when I do something with it, that emotion can really turn into something bad. I can let that emotion guide me to a bad decision. Or I can let that emotion guide me to a good decision. I'm the rider on top of the elephant and I do have some say about what's going to happen. What does Jesus do when he feels this intense emotion? He goes to God... And he expresses it to him. This is so important, y'all, because I know sometimes we feel like, you know, when we go to God, we got to pray this way. We got to sound this way. You know, you've got to be careful about how you express yourself. You know, you know, uh, there's in, in a sense that's coming from a good place. You want to honor God. You want to revere God. But we also want to keep in mind what Jesus said when he teaches his disciples to pray. We say our father who art in heaven that God is a relational God. He does want to hear what we're going through. He wants to hear your troubled soul and the things that are weighing on you and the things that have your emotions in deep, dark places. He wants you to bring that stuff to Him. He wants you to talk to Him about it. We'll put it on Facebook. We may write it in our journal. We'll call our parents or our friends and we'll, we'll just let it all come out. But are we talking to God about it in prayer? Are we bearing our soul to our father in heaven? Are we telling the one being who truly understands and can truly help us walk through it? What's happening on the inside of us? I remember during COVID, I was so frustrated with a bunch of different stuff. One of them was preaching to a camera. That was the worst thing in the world. I know you love sitting at home in your pajamas Watching church I get that 100% But when you got to talk to a camera And try to communicate God's word To me it was the worst I don't know how those televangelists do it Okay But that ain't for me Even on Facebook I ignore you on Facebook Sorry people But I, I'm, a, I'm all about you people in the room That's why I want to share God's word with you that was so, And I, there was so many things just bubbling up And I finally got to a breaking point And I just let it all out in prayer to God And it wasn't pretty In fact if you heard what I prayed You'd probably try to vote me out Because it was not pretty Alright And I came through that just realizing God's big enough to handle all that I'm experiencing on the inside. He can hear this. It's okay to express this to Him. Some of my conviction comes from Scripture itself. If you've ever read through Psalms, you read the psalmist, and these are prayers and songs which are kind of the same thing, right? You're communicating with God, right? And so... You read through those psalms and the psalmists say some hard things to God. God, where are you? God, why aren't you helping me? God, destroy my enemies. I mean, there's a pretty long list of pretty deep, dark things the psalmists are willing to communicate to God. They're willing to talk to God, so why don't we? We can. We we should. We must. If we hope to not let those emotions take us to dark places and make bad decisions. We've got to bring them to God. And this is exactly what Jesus does. Not only that, but those emotions, Jesus understands the desire here. He wants this cup to pass from him. He says, if it's possible, let this cup be taken from me. In verse 39. In verse 42. My father if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away. Unless I drink it. May your will be done. Now <clears throat> this idea of cup. Kind of the, the Old Testament background to this idea. Is that is that a cup would be filled with judgment. And God would pour that cup down the throat of those who deserve that judgment. It's kind of just vivid imagery here. And so, so Jesus is saying. God has presented me a cup of judgment and I'm struggling with this idea of gulping it down. And that to me, it's kind of a really awesome thing that we get to see Jesus struggling because we struggle. It's great to know that we're not alone, that when you and I struggle, God, the son says, yeah, I know what that's like. You're not alone. I've been there. I've had those moments where emotions bring you to the point where you wish you were dead. I, I know what that feels like to be so overwhelmed to the point of death, to be sorrowful. I know what that's like. And the opening hymn saying about that, we sang about that beautifully. So we can come to him and Jesus expresses his desire to his father, mirroring what you and I can do. We don't just bring our emotions to him, but we bring to him what we desire, what we wish for, what we hope for. Why? So that we can get in alignment with him. Not necessarily so that we can get our way, but so that our will can be brought into alignment with his. And we have to first express what that will is, what that desire is to God. What we do want, we can express in prayer. And Jesus is experiencing that. He says, Father, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from me. If it's not possible, your will be done. See, he's expressing his desire, but he's wanting his his desire to line up with the Father. What is that desire? It's to not have to drink the cup of judgment. I want to circle back to that at the close. But you see here, Jesus walking through emotion and desire in a way that brings him into alignment with God. Because ultimately he says, I don't want what I want as much as I want what you want. I mean, I do want what I want, but I want what you want more than what I want. You know, that's a hard prayer to pray. We're honest with ourselves. That is a hard prayer to pray because all of that should be leading us towards action. It should be leading us towards a decision of the will to act in alignment with what the Father wants. Because all of this up to this point, while it may be difficult, it's doable. But now we've got to shift and do something with the clarity of God's will in our life. Now we've got to act on it. And now it gets difficult. It becomes hard. And we see that Jesus, after this prayer, walks into his judgment. He walks into the what is to come. He says, rise, my betrayer is coming. He doesn't try to escape it. If you've, if you've been reading with us, you know. He confronts head on those who have come to arrest him. He marches towards what is clearly the Father's will for him. He acts on it. So he brings his motion, his emotions, his desire, and his will, which is in Hebrew thought, the word heart. He brings his heart into alignment with the heart of God and he moves forward. He does something else too that I think is worth pointing out. Is that he also brings others along with him, doesn't he? He doesn't face it alone, which I think is interesting. He brings three of his disciples. Often we, we recognize that Jesus had you know, a, a group of disciples, then he had the 12, and amongst the 12 he had three. That, and here we see the three, Peter, James, and John. The same three that went with him on the Mount of Transfiguration at that very special moment of Jesus' ministry. Among the three was the one Peter, but you've got this small group that are there. And Jesus says, come with me to this place called Gethsemane. And there was a garden there. This is across across, uh, from the temple, across what was called the Kidron Valley. On the other side, it was called the Mount of Olives. If you recall this uh, geography a little bit, the foot of the Mount of Olives was Gethsemane. And Gethsemane, uh, that word itself means to press. The garden of Gethsemane, there was a olive press there where they would take the olives and squeeze them and get the olive oil out. He's being pressed. I, think that's, I don't think that's by mistake. Jesus is in a place called Gethsemane that means to be pressed and he is being pressed. And he doesn't face it alone. He asked for his three closest disciples to come with him. Maybe there's something in that for you and I that when we feel pressed, when emotion is overrunning us, when it's hard to think clearly and, and come to a, an understanding of what God wants and, and to have the strength to walk into whatever God wants. We 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 have the choice, the opportunity to bring people that we know and trust into that with us and say, will you pray with me? Will you pray for me? I am struggling Can we go to God together? Now, let's be honest. This maybe is not the best case scenario for this situation because the disciples didn't do so great. Right? They fell asleep. More than once. Now, oftentimes we will look at the disciples and we say, how could they be so, you know, I don't know. I don't want to disparage them. But, you know, come on. Come on, guys. Get it it together. This is Jesus. You know, he's asking you to just pray. But you know what? As I was reviewing the different Gospels account of what takes place here, Luke chapter 22, verse 45 says these guys were exhausted from sorrow. Just gave me a little bit different angle and different appreciation for these disciples. They are struggling. Why would they be struggling? Jesus, their master, whom they love, their teacher of God's word, the, the guy that they believed was going to be the Messiah, the savior of the world, the king of kings, you know, they're going to be right there with him throughout his reign and they're going to be reigning next to him and it's going to be awesome. And, and Jesus says, listen, guys, I'm going to the cross. I'm going to die. Imagine the blow that would have had on these disciples. This is taking place in this, in this section of scripture. In this timeline of Jesus' life here towards the end. They have heard this. Not only that, but they also hear some other unsettling news. Like your key leader, Peter, is going to deny, deny me three times. Not only that, but all of you all of you 12 disciples are going to abandon me and one of you is going to be my betrayer. These disciples are hearing all of that. Imagine how you would feel if you were one of them and you're hearing all of that. Now you're here and you see your master and, 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 and blood is, he's sweating blood and he's, and he's sorrowful and just to hear him talk about how he's experiencing this moment in his life. And just, I I can't imagine, but I could see how you would be so worn out. A nap sounds really good right now. I totally get it. Kind of gave me some appreciation for them. Now Jesus was stern with them. And so we want to hear what Jesus has to say to them because I think it has something to say to us because Jesus says, watch and pray first thing he says to them, verse 41, watch and pray. Watch and pray. Pay attention to what's happening around you. Pay attention to what's happening within you. Watch. Be aware. Be in tune. Jesus is demonstrating that for us, but are we following him in that? The disciples were not. I wonder if they were even aware of the grief they were experiencing, of the sorrow they were going through. Did they understand the depths of it? I don't know. But Jesus says you need to be watching and paying attention. And you need to be talking to God in prayer. Why? So that you won't fall into the temptation. Into the temptation to what? I think, in part, in the temptation to go it alone, I'm just going to get a nap. I'm just going to try to block all this out. I'm just, you know, I'm exhausted. I'm tired. I just, I just maybe I wish it would just all go away. Maybe there was a sense of lo- of laziness here, or maybe maybe the temptation was, you know what, I want out. I don't know that Peter was thinking this, but at some point he is going to betray Jesus three times. Maybe, maybe they're thinking, you know, if this really does happen to Jesus, you know what they're going to do to us. It's hard to watch and to pray. It's hard to pay attention to what's going on around us and inside of us and bring that to God in prayer. Sometimes we'd rather just, you know, pretend it's not there, try to deal with it on our own. I'm certainly not going to reach out to somebody and ask for prayer about this kind of thing because you don't share this kind of thing with anybody. I, You know, especially us guys, I'm not sharing what's going on inside of me, my heart and my emotions are all over the place. I'm not telling anybody that stuff. I don't know for sure, but there was a temptation here to not be watchful and to not be prayerful. And Jesus then says this, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. You may want to want what God wants. You may want to do God's will. But you and I, we need God's help to do God's will. No matter how much you may desire to follow God and be obedient to God, I bet you know that's not so easy. Much easier said than done. We need God's help. And Jesus says, even if you want it, even if your spirit desires it, you need help. Your flesh is weak. Therefore, be watchful and be prayerful that you do not fall into temptation. Now, I think talking around uh, what is really at the center of this passage, which is that Jesus displays for us a willingness to follow the will of God. And there's something about the way he goes about this is not only instructive to us. It, doesn't, it not only gives us some helps, but I think it also moves our hearts to want to do God's will. Jesus says, "Father, verse 39, "My Father." If it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Now that cup is the cup of suffering, the cup of judgment. Now if you've been in church much, you kind of know what's going to take place next. The very next thing he says, my betrayer is coming. I'm going to be betrayed by one of my closest disciples, or one one of the closest people on earth to me. One of my 12 disciples is going to betray me. Jesus knows that he is going to be mocked by those he came to save. Jesus knows that he's going to be unfairly judged by those he helped make and loves. Jesus knows that he's going to be beaten physically more than once. And you may know this already, but but when you were beaten before crucifixion, it was not uncommon for the uh, prisoner to not survive the beating or the scourges before they ever got to the cross. Jesus went through that and he knew he was going to go through that. Jesus knew the shame and humiliation of being nailed to a cross naked before the world to see. He knew that was coming. Jesus knew that when he is taking the sins of the world upon his shoulders, that somehow, and I'll be honest, I don't get this fully. But we hear it in his prayer, which is a prayer of Psalm 22. "My, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That somewhere in there, as he's taking on the sins of the world, this eternal love relationship he's had with his father begins to experience some kind of fracture. Because now he is covered in our sin. And doing that, he knew how many people would still not accept him. And given all of that, he does it anyways. Why? Because he knew his Father's will was what mattered most. And when we clear away all the noise, when we work through those emotions, when we express our desire, but we come around to, Father, I don't want what I want as much as I want what you want. In that moment we are like Christ. It's not easy. But he showed us the way. Not only that, but he promised to give us help in the person of Jesus Christ the Holy Spirit so that we can walk in that way. And I'm hoping that as we close our time here this morning that That there may be some area of your life that you're just filled with emotion about. Could be in the area of your marriage or in relationship with your kids or your grandkids or could be a health thing that's going on. Could be grief from loss. Could be extreme issues with money or or job situation. I mean, there's no end to the things that invite intense and deep emotion in our life. I wonder if... If for a few moments we might express that to God, we may just share with God what's on our heart. In fact, I want to take a minute and I want you to do that. Just in silent prayer. We're just going to do it now. We're not going to wait for the invitation. Would you just close your eyes so that you can focus on God, block out everything else, and just begin to pray and tell God what's going on inside of you. And maybe it's just even a prayer to say, God, I don't even know. I just know I'm worked up and I can't even find the words to explain it. But would you just share whatever's going on inside of you this morning? Just begin to unpack that with God. And now you and I, we we know often those emotions, those intense feelings are coming because there's some desire, there's some dream, there's some wish or want or need. It seems like it's not going to be met. Maybe it's going to go in the exact opposite direction. Maybe that's happening. If you know what that is, what that desire is that you have, that is playing a role in that deep emotion that you're feeling, would you just express that to God? Just tell him, what is it that your heart desires? Share that with him. And now the hard part, would you just say to God what Jesus said to his father? I have my desire. I have my wishes. I have what I will. But would you pray and submit your will to his will? Would you do that? Father God, I'm grateful that you know us. You know we are but mere dust. You know how frail and and feeble we are, how weak we are. Uh, God, we, we wish we were stronger. We wish, sometimes we pretend that we are, but we're not. And I'm just glad that you know that. You know the worst about us, and yet you still love us. You know our challenges and you know how slow we are to come to you for help. And yet you do not leave us. Now, these things are hard. You know that they're difficult for us. But as we talked about last week, with you, all things are possible. If we abide in you, all things, all that you want in and through us can be done according to your spirit's power and presence in our life. And we just want your will. Help us to know it. Help us to live it. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I invite you to use this time of invitation to just continue to respond to the Lord. Continue to talk to him about the things that are in your heart. As we talked about, Jesus himself asked those around him, come, pray with me. Maybe you want to use this time of invitation to reach out to someone around you and just say, would you pray for me? You don't have to get into the details. Just pray for me. If you need prayer, you can come forward. I would love to pray with you. Don't be afraid to reach out to those next to you. But let's continue to respond to the Lord in prayer as we worship together. Stand with us as we continue in our worship service in this time of invitation.